Our first scripture reading is from the Old Testament. It's from the book of Deuteronomy. Words coming from Moses' lips. As we get some instructions that he received from the Lord. Now, this is the commandment that the Lord your God charged me to teach you to observe in the land that you are about to cross into and occupy so that you and your children and your children's children may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life and keep all his decrees and his commandments that I am commanding you so that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe them diligently, so that it may go well with you, and so that you may multiply greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you're at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One time, uh, the old uh, baseball slugger Reggie Jackson he was paired against the uh, golfing great Jack Nicholas in a celebrity golf tournament. And throughout the round, Reggie uh, Jackson kept talking about how much harder it is to hit a baseball than a golf ball because the baseball is coming at you at a speed of over 90 miles an hour and, and it's being thrown by someone who's trying to confuse you. I mean, the pitcher puts all kinds of crazy spin on it. You only have a split second to react, and then there's eight other people in the field trying to prevent you from getting on base. In golf, the ball just sits there waiting for you to whack it, and no one is trying to stop you. Well, that's a pretty convincing argument. Well, in this celebrity golf tournament, Reggie Jackson teed off, and his ball took a wicked slice. It smashed into some trees, and it landed in a sand trap next to a body of water in the next fairway over from where he was originally trying to hit it. And Jack Nicholas looked over and said, well, now you see why it's harder to hit a golf ball than a baseball, because in golf, you have to play your foul balls. You know, parenting is a lot like golf. You don't get to foul any pitches off. However you slice it, you have to play all your shots. It's often said that every church's most important mission field is its children. In fact, a Presbyterian pastor and an acquaintance of mine, Earl Palmer, has said that Christianity is always only just one generation away from extinction. In other words, for 2,000 years, the message of the gospel has been passed on and passed on and passed on. And we don't want to be the ones to stop it, do we? We have a, a mission statement here at Chestnut Level Presbyterian Church. And the first phrase, the first clause of that mission statement is planted in Christ. And so let's be honest, if we don't start there, then our children 
really have no chance. Well, one thing is sure, it is tough being a parent. It's a difficult and demanding job. And just about the time that you feel like you get experienced at it and comfortable doing it, your kids are out the door. And so it seems like you don't really learn how to be a good one until they're grown up and have left the nest. You know, there are a lot of confusing voices out there offering many different opinions on how to be a good parent. And it reminds me of the parenting expert who said, at one time I had five theories and no kids. Now I have five kids and no theories. <laughs> so where do we go for help? Where do we go when we need advice on parenting? Well, this morning's first scripture reading from Deuteronomy chapter 6 has Moses and the people of Israel out in the wilderness. And Moses knows that Israel's future is at stake because there's this new generation of children that are going to be raised in the promised land. And they're going to have to learn how their, their ancestors learned that God powerfully revealed himself to them while they were out in the wilderness. So amidst the dirt and the rocks and the dust, Moses steps up to the podium and he gives a parenting seminar on how to raise a child of faith, or as I like to say, how to raise children without raising your blood pressure. Well, as we dig in, let's have a moment of prayer. Let's pray together. And now, God, may the words of this preacher's mouth and the meditation of each and every heart here in this room be acceptable to you, O Lord, for you are our rock and our redeemer to the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. That passage that I shared with you earlier from Deuteronomy chapter 6 uh, sort of tempts us to jump to verse 7, which says, recite these commandments to your children. In other words, the Bible says, hey, make sure your young'uns know God's holy word. So take them to vacation Bible school. Teach them how to pray. Show them how to give. But if you were listening carefully, that's not where Moses' instructions to, his to the parents actually begins. It begins actually earlier in verse 5 when he says to them, You parents, you out there, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And so it seems on the surface that our, our primary responsibility as parents before God is not necessarily to our children. Now hear me out, it's to offer ourselves to God. One study, this is interesting, one study that I heard about has showed that the greatest predictor that a person will be active in their faith as an adult is whether that person's parents worship regularly during his or her childhood. Follow? So, here we are, trying to come through something that is unprecedented, something none of us have ever experienced before. And it is time for us to get back to being the church. So all you parents out there today, you're engaged right now in an activity that is most helpful in the spiritual development of your children, and that is Sunday morning church worship. And we need to get back there. I can't tell you how many people who came on those tours on Friday and Saturday said, you know, it's just nice to be here. And, and there's, you know, we can Zoom and we can Facebook Live and we can YouTube, and that's fine. I'm glad we offer those things. I really do. And for those of you watching at home, I'm glad you, you have access to our worship service that way. But there is nothing like being here. That's what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. You need to be here, not just priesters. 
You know what Christers are? Christmas and Easter. <laughs> like the guy who said, who was asked, well, why don't, you, why don't you go to church more often? He says, well, every time I go to church, you all always sing the same two hymns. Christ the Lord is risen today and joy to the world. <laughs> we need to have a passionate life in Jesus Christ in order to be the parents that God has called us to be. Because you know what? There are going to be times when it gets frustrating and we can grow even impatient. My wife at the time and I had no children for the first seven years of our marriage. And then we had three in less than five years. And not long after our third child, Emily, was born, my wife had a teacher's meeting at school. And for the first time that night, Daddy was going to solo with all three children. And when Mommy left, Emily was a perfect picture of peace and tranquility. And then even when she started to get a little fussy, <laughs> hey, I know what to do. I went to the kitchen, got a bottle, heated it up, squirted it down in the inside of my arm, put Emily in the crook of my arm, put that nipple in her mouth, it came out. Put it in again, it came out. And then she pursed her lips so tight that that nipple just sort of crumpled against her lips. And then she started to scream. Screams that could peel the paint off the walls. And so here I am with this crying baby who won't eat. Why? Because that bottle's not mommy. So I'm thinking, well, what's so special about mommy anyway? <laughs> but then you can guess what happens next. With, with Emily screaming her head off, Julia started to fuss and cry. And then Tim is whining because he can't find his Spider-Man action figure. And in that moment, I was reminded of the immortal words of W.C. Fields when he was asked, how do you like children? And he replied, boiled. <laughs> there is uh, nothing so frustrating as to be in a crisis and then lack the anatomical equipment to administer the solution to the problem. Moses says, recite these things to your children. Another translation says, impress them on your children. And the image that comes to mind for me is uh, when those Hollywood movie stars get down on their hands and knees and they press their hands or their feet in the, in the cement in front of uh, Grauman's Chinese theater. What we need to remember as parents or grandparents or step-parents is that we can only impress when the cement is still wet. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way they should go so that in their old age they will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way they should go so that in their old age they won't depart from it. So we have to start training our children when they are young in the ways of Christ. You say, well, John, I hear that, but how in the world do I make impressions of God's ways on my children? Well, Moses goes on to give us some practical tips in this passage, beginning in verse 7. He says, first of all, talk about God's commandments when you sit at home. Now, I know you and I know me, and we've worked hard to sort of turn our homes into these entertainment palaces. We have 50-inch, 55-inch, 60-inch, 65-inch, 75-inch. I saw Costco has an 86-inch flat-screen HDTV. How about that? 
Bible says it's really not that important to turn your home into an entertainment palace. And yet we try. Did you know that the average child watches television a thousand hours a year? If you are an average American, by the time you have reached 18 years of age, you will have amassed 18,000 hours of television viewing. If you live to be 65 years old, as the average American, you will have amassed nine and a half years of television viewing, and that does not include playing around on your computer or phone. However, on the other hand, if you drag your kids to Sunday school, or drag them to VBS, or bring them to kids' own worship, where you go to church once a week for 65 years, that will count up to only four months of biblical instruction. What I'm saying is that our homes, it takes me off the hook too, our homes should be spiritual training centers. To make our, our home an entertainment palace takes a lot of time and money, but is it, is it money well spent to invest in your child's faith? yields dividends that are out of this world. So our children need a faith. It's up to us to give it to them. So Moses says, talk about it when you're at home. But he says, also talk about it when you're on the road. You know, when you're walking in the woods or in the mountains or at the beach this summer or, or, or late August or in the fall when you're driving your kids to school. Before you eat dinner, we talked about this in Sunday school today, Make sure you take the time to pray and to praise God from whom all blessings flow. God gives us those divine opportunities. Take advantage of them with your children. And then Moses also says, and when you lie down, you know, some of the sweetest moments that I recall, and I'm sure you've had those too, are with your children at the end of the night, you know, right before you tuck them in the bed and say a prayer that, with them, or maybe have them say a prayer before you kiss them and turn out the lights and have them go to sleep. Now, we all have different schedules, so some of you may be in that season of life as a parent where, you know, the nights simply get too squashed. It's just too tough. And so uh, Moses gives us another option. He says, when you rise up, I don't know, maybe you can have a meaningful time with your kids when you wake up with them in the morning. The point is, the point is this, you have to figure out what works best for you. But just make sure you're giving your kids some kind of spiritual foundation of faith in Jesus Christ. And then one of the things I think it's important to remember is that this parenthood, this notion of parenthood, it's this kind of complicated confusing, dynamic, evolving concept that requires us to nurture our kids and use different tactics with them as they grow older. Let me explain. Psychologists that I heard about explained that there are basically four different roles, four different roles that parents go through in the years with their children. For example, for kids who are birthed to five years as parents, you are the disciplinarian. The no, we don't stick our fingers in the electrical outlets. Now, if you believe in giving your child a gentle swat on the behind, 99% of that kind of discipline should take place in those first five years because that's when you're trying to set boundaries and establish some limits. 
But we have in our minds that quote that we've heard many times. You may have used that. Spare the rod, spoil the child. How many have heard that, right? Oh, yeah, and then Bible. I, I, I follow the Bible. That's the best Bible verse of all for a parent, right? It's not in the Bible. Continuing my series on the Bible you thought you knew. It's not there. Show the verse from Proverbs 13, verse 24. Here's what it says. Here's what it really says. Those who spare the rod hate their children. Those who love them are diligent to discipline them. So just so we're clear, this is not a verse that gives us a license to spank. Because studies show that that can be so damaging to a child emotionally and physically. But instead, the Bible teaches that we are to discipline our children, which certainly includes correction, but we discipline as a way to protect and remind and encourage. And of course, I don't think I should have to say this, but I will, spanking should never be done out of frustration or just because as a parent, we're bigger and stronger. But as it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse six, the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. And then we move through uh, ages five through 12 for, the, for children. And in those years, as the parent, we are teachers. We teach them how, how to tie their shoes, how to talk on the phone, how to behave in church, how to relate with parents. You know, I was in the South for, for 25 years and I'm still struck by kind of the different culture that's down there and, and how children are taught to relate to adults. Because I can remember times when a young person would be talking to me and, and, and I would ask them a question, they would say, yes. And then the parent would look down and say, yes, what? Yes, sir. And so ages five to 12, we, we teach our children where the out of bounds markers are. Why? So that they can navigate their lives successfully and faithfully through life. And then from ages 12 to 21, things get really dicey because we enter that wonderful world of adolescence. Now, someone has likened the teenage years to that scene at the end of the movie, Apollo 13, where the space shuttle is re-entering the Earth's atmosphere. And for a few minutes, all contact and communication is lost with NASA. And sometimes that's what it feels like when you're trying to communicate with a teenager. All you get is that crackling sound of static. During these years, our role as a parent is that of coach. We need to remember that it is the child who's playing the game of life. And we can only give advice and instruction from the sidelines. And coaches, some of the opponents that our children are facing are quite formidable. And so my word to all you coaches out there, hang in there. Keep your head in the game and never ever give up on your players. Make sure that your teenagers know that they can come and talk to you. And then if by God's grace and miracle you survive those teenage years, when your child finally reaches the age of 21, you become that as a parent to be a friend. 
The problem, it seems to me, is that we uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, don't respect the parenting process, the maturation process. Because let's face it, you wouldn't think of taking your 16-year-old over your knee and spanking them. <laughs> way too late for that, right? That, that happened way back there. Or you wouldn't think of taking your four-year-old and, and, and try to treat them as a friend and say, oh, hey, uh, Billy, uh, make sure you turn the TV and the lights off when you go to bed later. Uh, that's not going to work either, right? As parents, we, we follow the stages of, 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 of maturity with the appropriate role because there will come a time when they will leave. Inevitably, there's going to come that time, happened to me, happened to a lot of you, when we, we kind of, we smash that bottle of champagne across the bow and, 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 and they launch out into this new life and away they go. And for the first time, and that's that difficult transition, for the first time, we're not steering the ship of their lives anymore. As is often the case, the late Irma Bombeck said it best. She wrote this. She said, I see children as kites. You spend a lifetime trying to get them off the ground. You run with them until you're both breathless. They crash. You add a longer tail. Finally, they're airborne, but they need more string. So you keep letting it out. With each twist of the ball of twine, there is a sadness that goes with the joy because the kite becomes more distant. Somehow you know it won't be too long before that beautiful creature will snap the lifeline that has bound you together and soar as it was meant to soar, free and alone. As I close, let me just say this. The world that we are sending our kids out into is probably more terrifying and dangerous than ever before. So into such a world, their only true security is to be found in the person of Jesus Christ. Because we really can't protect our children from whatever life may throw at them, but we can prepare them for whatever storms may come. And friends, I believe I wouldn't be standing here. With Jesus Christ, they will be ready. They will be prepared. Impress these things on your children. Talk about them in your home or when you're walking along the way, when you lie down, or when you rise up. And may God bless each and every one of you as you raise your children. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Lord God, we are so thankful that just as we help our children with their arithmetic and school projects. You are a God who helps us with our parenting projects. And God, as we think about the passionate love that we have for our children, and we do, we thank you that Jesus did not say our Heavenly Father loves us almost as much as we love our children, or that our Heavenly Father loves us as much as we love our children. Instead, Jesus told us how much more our Heavenly Father loves us than we love even our own children. And so help us to learn everything we can about parenting and then probably just forget it and trust in you. <laughs> help us to truly enjoy our children, which you have entrusted to us 
for these few short years so that we can prepare them for life in Jesus Christ. Guide our words, direct our actions in all that we do and all that we say as parents. In Jesus' name, amen.